0: Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review it, subscribe it, smash the subscribe button, tell, 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 tell some people that, you know, this is what you're doing. You are listening. You are a devoted listener <laughs> for Lamestream uh, we'll, Sports. We will have some
1: uh, takes on the Tennessee Volunteer NCAA ESPN broadcast uh, uh snafu let's call it uh, real quickly here before we get to our interview which will be with butch spirit on um what what should I call him just like boss of all Nashville sports and Metro decisions like what should we what should we actually call him
0: at, at the uh, at the scene we used to call him captain room Knights because uh <laughs> Like Butch, Butch views the Butch tends to view the world through like the number of room nights that can be generated by tourism in in in, uh, in Nashville.
1: Well, he he is uh, as he will tell you, he's been in the room for some of the conversations, many of the conversations around the Titan Stadium. He is the c- point of contact essentially for trying to bring FIFA and the World Cup to Nashville. Uh, he's been involved in the Grand Prix. He's been involved in the fairgrounds, and we will discuss all of that. Uh, in great detail. So I, I don't think there's going to be a better Titan stadium update than what you will get on this show right now on this episode. So we appreciate his time. He was very gracious. Uh, a lot of insight there. Y- you have to understand his where he's coming from and his perspective, which is, of course, on one side of things. And he will actually do a pretty good job of explaining that. Um, it doesn't mean that people are going to agree with everything he has to say, but it is a lot of details about the Titan stadium. And uh, we think you guys are going to enjoy it Uh, We did ask about CMA Fest, by the way, as well. Um, Which, literally, Steve, I could not get my friends would not come babysit my children because CMA Fest because I live in East Nashville, (laughs) (laughs) and they were like, they're like, no, we'll keep them overnight so that we don't have to come up to East Nashville during CMA Fest.
0: (laughs) That's funny. That's (laughs) really funny.
1: um, Before we do any of that, however, um, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers, the good people on West End at Jaspers. The parking is free. The menu is great. The game room is absolutely exploding, Steve. It is very popular. Many people are talking about it. Many
0: people are talking about it.
1: Adam, By the way, Adam Vingen of uh, the Gold Standard Podcast in The Athletic asked me to ask you, are you still trapping the puck? And I said to him, he won't talk to me about it because he still thinks he's right. And you are not. You are wrong. If you go play at the air hockey table, free air hockey table, do not put your drinks on it. And do not trap the puck. It is against the rules. It is illegal.
0: You can tell. Uh, you can tell Mr. Goldstandard there that that his uh, his his mastery of the NHL rules does not apply to air hockey. Okay. Why
1: Why are you fighting this fight? The owner of Jaspers has already berated you for this. You are wrong. Stop fighting this fight. Just give up and stop trapping the puck, dude. Okay. Go to Jaspers. Go to Jeff. <laughs> uh, all right, Butch Speard on coming up. Uh, what did you say, Captain Room Night? Is that what you
0: said? <laughs> Captain
1: Room Nights. Captain Room Nights coming up later on on the show. Uh, real quickly here, I just want to touch on. We'll do some recommendations later on. I just want to touch on the broadcasting thing, and I just I'll just give you my perspective. And if you don't know what happened, um, uh, Evan Russell's the catcher for the Tennessee baseball team. He or he plays on the baseball team was not going to play on Friday. Uh, Tony Vitello was going to address it after the game. And in the short term during the game, you know, this there, there's a guy on Twitter who is essentially like uh, just very good at trolling people, I guess. And he and he puts out in all caps, which to me is the number one sign that it's clearly not a real report <laughs> in in all caps that, you know, basically he's been suspended for PEDs and the NCAA is going to test the whole team. Just a complete troll job, like, like actually brilliant, right. a brilliant troll job. Um, and a broadcaster for ESPN during another game is on the air, basically reading the tweet and reporting it. And I, I have one quick story. I, I do not think that it's malicious when you do that. It's stupid and it's an egregious mistake, but I don't feel like there is some malicious intent when you just see a tweet and you read it, read it on the air. What you have, what, what, is, what has failed there is the editorial oversight of, of double checking to make sure that it's real. And I think five seconds, and you would have learned that it wasn't real. So this happened to us at when I was at 102.5 The Game. Kevin Fiala famously was on the ice on a stretcher in the St. Louis series right in 2017. And the next morning, we're on the air. And my producer at the time comes on the air and reads a tweet from a supposed ambulance driver in St. Louis. And he reads the tweet basically saying, this so and so Kevin Fiala. This is what's happened. Blah 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 blah. And I immediately on the air said, uh, "Wait wait a second. Why, why, why don't we check to make sure that we have credible sourcing on this to make sure it's the correct report?" And we got in trouble for that on the air, as we should have. Um, and you know, my name's on the show, so I, I think the lesson here is that people aren't doing this maliciously; they're doing it stupidly, and. And then, of course, the last final chef's kiss is uh, Tennessee, Tennessee fans crying for a defamation lawsuit after falsely accusing a man of covering up sexual abuse of children. <laughs> I find that to be the ultimate irony and the chef's kiss on the entire story. The
0: uh, you, you can't you just can't do this. I mean, you no. cannot uh, if you're a broadcaster, you cannot dip into the the fire hose of questionable content that is twitter sometimes and and just and just start random and start randomly pulling things out even even if you caveat it even if you say these are the you know these are the crazy things that are being said on twitter right now and then read the tweet out on you're putting you're giving air to something that even is, how about this steve even if it's right yeah like even if it's right, and this what's
1: what's ironic and, is that it's
0: unconfirmable out that, at that moment.
1: Yes, the, the Kevin Fiala tweet actually turned out to be correct. Like it, it like he had this femoral th- problem with his leg, or so, I can't remember what it was. I, I again, I'm I'm being irresponsible in the moment. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but like it actually turned out to be correct. That's not the point. You you yeah. cannot run with something. And I I get it when you're on air, you know it, things are happening fast, and and you know you want to get you want to be right, but like. It, you don't have to be first. You need to be right. And right. I don't think this is a defamation lawsuit. I think it is a strongly worded conversation between a boss and, a, and an employee by saying, don't ever do this again. It could cost him his job in theory. You, you can't do that. You just can't make that mistake. Um, but, but, but crying for defamation lawsuits, I, that, that to me is...
0: Well, that's just Vol Twitter right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's I fine. mean, just don't go to Vol Twitter.
1: yeah that's that's the that's the lesson here um again the guy made a mistake it was egregious it was wrong he should be reprimanded pay a pay a pay a price and then we all move on um you know and even the play-by-play guy in the middle of the call if you listen carefully he tries to like save him from his own death (laughs) like the play-by-play guy's like well tony vitello after the game said uh that he was dealing with uh, some sickness and he wasn't feeling
0: great and it's like how about, he's, trying, how, he's how throwing about you a, he's throwing you a life raft how about put your phone down during the broadcast yeah there you go there you go <laughs> that solves a lot of problems
1: <laughs> focus on the game uh all right so uh captain room Knights was our guest here on the show butch Spiridon, of course i'm not sure he likes that name but we we really appreciate his time a lot of insight into the titan stadium so uh without any more rambling about on-air broadcast snafus here was our conversation with butch Spiridon. Butch, good to see you. Thank you so much for giving us so much of your time and joining us on the show today. We do appreciate it. How are you? I'm great, and thanks for uh, for having me. So um, I'm going to ask a I'm going to start with a non-sports question, and because there's obviously the, the large festival happening out around Nashville the CMA, with CMA Fest, can you try to give us a scope of like whether it's economic impact, whether it's number of hotel rooms, whether it's number of actual visitors? Um, you know, number of people you need to actually be staffing downtown to do this. Like, can you give us like a, a sense of the scope of what this event takes and, and does for the city?
2: I, I will try. It's been a few years since we've had numbers to compare. Um, it feels back to normal. So we'll start with uh, 46, 48,000 nissan tickets out that probably translates into 35 forty thousand out of town visitors there's a decent number of local sales that go with that the spend by those people is last count was 65 million uh, rates hotel rates are a lot higher so i expect that to be north of 70. um I best describe it as a four-day festival that takes six days to consume. <laughs> they come Saturday before they start arriving. You know they're doing stuff Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Today there's a lot going on, but it doesn't start till tomorrow. Um, so it's good for the economy. It's good for jobs. You know it has a three-hour TV special that comes with it later on in the summer. Um, no real downside other than some streets are closed and, you know, plan accordingly. If you live local.
0: (laughs) What is that? What is that? uh, The, the TV show that popped up a few years ago, that kind of is just like a, like a greatest hits of CMA. uh, What does that, what does that do here a few, a few months later? Is that kind of just a teaser for next year? Does it get people interested in it? It
2: it markets the artist, So it's a good, a good payback to the artists because they're playing for free. So it's nice to give them a marketing primetime network spotlight. Then it obviously tells not just the US but it airs internationally. That does a pretty cool annual festival that if you like country music, you might wanna check it in. And it has at least up to this point, and I have no reason to think different. It also does a good job of diving a little deeper with some vignettes about Nashville or businesses or feel good stories. So it's broader than just the festival. And, you know, if you do what I do for a living, a three hour primetime network special that is your city does not hurt. <laughs> at all.
1: So and- alright let's, let's get into the sports stuff here. And obviously the Titan Stadium is top of mind for everybody, both in sports and out of sports. And I'm just curious if you could try to describe or give us maybe an example or some insight into like what what do the actual negotiations feel like? What do they sound like when we know who we know who's in the room, right? When they're making these decisions, there's a lot of lot of voices. But what are the actual conversations like? I'm not trying to get you know specifics here, but I'm just curious. Like, what are those conversations like, and what do people need to know about what? the negotiations that are happening.
2: Say, in full disclosure, I've been in some, and I've been left out of a bunch. Um, But basically, at least right now, everybody's rowing in the same direction. The state, the Titans, the city, sports authority. So it's, we know we have an obligation. So it's like, what's the best way to solve this problem? Titans have a lease. They've been good citizens and haven't said, okay, city, you owe me $25 million for what I've spent over the last few years, or you're going to owe me this. It's been very much a win-win. How do we relieve the city of its future debt burden? And how do we live up to the contract and give the Titans a first-class home? So it helps when everybody has the same goal. How do we get this done? How do we remove it? from the backs of the taxpayers and how do we advance the city to take full advantage? Um, So most of the conversation is literally in the weeds about the revenue streams and the cost of bonds and the total bill and really trying to hone in on that. None of that is in stone yet. So that's why people haven't heard about it. But I think sometime probably August or September, those details will come forward and then we can wring our hands, gnash our teeth, and hopefully take advantage of this opportunity. I'm biased. You guys probably are too. But there are not, I don't know if there are any other cities that can move, one, well, one, that have moved from where we were to where we are as a event and sports town and where we can go from today to Super Bowl World Cup, Final Four. There's just not places that can do it and do it. We don't just move into, let's say, the Indiana, Indianapolis caveat. They do a great job. They built a great building and they do it. We have all the pieces. You know, We have the international destination. We have the compact campus. We have the hotel rooms. We have the brand. We have the entertainment. We have the track record. So, there's a waiting list if we have the venues for people to bring those things here that your listeners and you guys and people like me like, I mean, I like it as much because I'm a sports fan
0: as I do for my day job, maybe more. Which when we, when we talk about building stadiums and the, 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 the cost has gotten significantly bigger. I mean, we're 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 talking at, you know multiple times over kind of what it costs to build the first stadium for for this stadium. There's been a lot of studies out there about municipal benefits. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah, I'm just oh, saying it's a big number. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry.
0: <laughs> um, there's been a lot of studies out there about sort of sort of cost benefit on on state and local spending for stadiums like this. How do you quantify what the benefit is for a stadium outside of what the what the NFL is? Because we know that there's going to be, you know, eight or nine home games plus a couple of, you know, maybe a couple of preseason games. And that's their that that's their li- the limit of what they're going to produce out of that stadium. What else has to be done in order to have real benefit for the stadium? Um
2: so there's there's a few things. That's it. First, an acknowledgement, and the Titans, rightfully so, said, you know, a a roof doesn't make sense to us. You know, for all the things you just said, the beneficiary is the city with a roof and the state. You know, we're going to have our eight, nine, or 10 games, and we need a a qualified facility for that. Um, But the benefit comes from we have close to 100 acres over there, we, Nashville, not generating any sales tax or really property tax road. So we can develop that land, which downtown needs to jump the river because it's just a little tight. You can start generating sales tax and property tax. Some of it will go to the stadium more than likely, but some of it will fund the city and state coffers, so you activate then you create jobs out of that in addition to the tax revenue and then you start to look at what are the things we could do and you know, unfortunately for garth brooks last summer's thunderstorm showed the difficulty in doing concerts outdoors in a venue like that so we could do Events year round instead of probably April to October. That makes a difference. Then you start to touch on things like WrestleMania. They have point blank said, "You put a roof, WrestleMania is coming to Nashville," as a week long event. I don't. I watch it occasionally. <laughs> I do get it. Yeah. I watch it out of sheer mystique and all, but. It's a week. It would use the arena, the convention center, and the stadium. And all of that would be internationally televised. Then there's January and February when we don't have much in the way of concerts. Or certainly don't do the big. Uh, And with hockey, you have limited dates there. So you open up that opportunity. Um, And then there's the final four college football playoff, Super Bowl. World Cup, soccer events. The list is endless. And we've done enough. The Sports Council's done enough. And the Titans have done enough conversing with all the different leagues that I have zero question. There's not like build it and they will come. It's like build it and they're lined up to come because of all the things I said earlier about our reputation, our compact, campus um, the star power and our overall event experience from police fire public works to our office the sports council to the titans i mean one of the reasons we're in the hunt for world Cup is because the u.s rep for fifa is going they love working with the titans they love doing soccer events at nissan stadium and they literally said that to FIFA on our behalf. I didn't have to say it. So our reputation precedes ourselves and our ability to deliver like the NFL draft is second to none. We're still the best draft ever.
0: (laughs) So kind of following up on that, you said something kind of interesting, which is, you know, Nashville has had, has had the, the kind of the will to do these sorts of things because, you know, we 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 have enjoyed the sports piece of this. We we have been able to put the financing together here in the past. There there's a there's a question that that I'll, some folks have had. I, I haven't heard like a really great answer for it, which is this will occupy a certain amount of the city's bond capacity. Will occupy a certain amount of you know those. We can do it because we're going to we're going to capture the taxes that are going to be created by this economic uh, development here. But at the same time, uh, you know there are other things the city could be doing that this you know putting our effort and putting our resources behind this means that there are other priorities that the city could be focusing on that they don't. Uh, the The trade off. How do you how do you how do you kind of sure. talk about the trade off uh, there? I love the question. It's part of
2: the uh, confusion that comes with the inability to put all the pieces out early. Um, so I'm going to use the convention center as an example. What we heard from the opponents conventions are dying. Nashville is not a destination. The city's going to have to bail this building out. <laughs> wrong, wrong, and wrong. The center has bailed the city out. We built the revenue streams uh, to be on the backs of visitors and did, it, did enough revenue streams to make sure we protected the city. So I know it's over $100 million that the center has taken from their reserves and given to metro. So the reverse happened, and it led to more development. So the hotel development wouldn't have happened without the center. Uh, which turned real estate into revenue-generating property instead of a parking lot. You know What was there was surface parking, strip clubs, Greyhound bus station. We weren't generating anything in property tax revenue for Metro. So Metro won on the property tax side, won on the revenue from visitor spending, and won on the center giving back. I say all that to Tia. up, the stadium. We did revenue bonds for the Music City Center, which does not affect the city's bond rating. You have dedicated revenue streams that are created out of the project themselves. So you're not taking money from somebody else. You're not taking money from schools. This money doesn't exist unless we do the stadium. So it's a huge fallacy in, well, We have other needs. Yes, we have a ton of other needs. But you fund those needs through sales tax and property tax. And you can either raise our taxes or we can develop it and import it. And I prefer the develop and import model than increasing my sales tax and my property tax. Um, And it's hard for people to understand. I don't want to diminish that. To go, well, what do you mean? Well, over there right now, is a city-owned stadium with 7,000 parking spaces. They generate no revenue for Metro. So if we develop hotels, office, retail, residential, all of a sudden there's going to be property tax and sales tax coming out of that property. So a portion of that will go to the stadium, a portion will go to the city or state. A portion of something is better than zero. So I'm I am absolutely in the camp of you have to invest in yourself to keep growing. And if you don't, you're going to backslide, you're going to be dying. And uh, the upside, just, just it's that good. And again, revenue bonds. Revenue bonds do not affect the city's bond rating. That's when they do general obligation bonds and the city can leverage itself. Revenue bonds means I'm going out and some bond trader is going to go to Warren Buffett and say, do you want to buy some of these revenue bonds from Nashville? Right now, most people go, hell yeah, I'm going to bet on Nashville. I want to invest in uh, in that city. And they're going to get their return. But it's all tied to specific revenue streams. Longer answer. Sorry. Hopefully it made some sense.
1: No, it makes, it makes perfect sense. And you've done a better job explaining it than both Steve and I have uh, over the course of the last few months talking about this. But what would you say to someone who comes back at, because we all kind of see all those, the calculus that's going on on this. What are the, what are going to be the arguments that you are anticipating about the development from a non-economic, non-football, non-sports, non-downtown standpoint, like whether it's green space, you already mentioned, you know, housing potentially, is it going to be affordable? Like what are some of the arguments you guys are anticipating from, from the people and from the council member that represent, that represent them?
2: Well, obviously, people are going to worry about cost, and they're going to worry about what are the benefits to the citizens that don't care about sports. So to your point, at least right now, affordable housing is a big part of the conversation that that's included. Uh, Activating the riverfront, which probably Nashville's biggest miss in its entire history, has been our inability to utilize the Cumberland River for for all of us. So green space, docks, marinas. uh, Activity down there becomes huge. And we've had multiple attempts, Riverfront Park. We thought the Titan Stadium itself would help. It didn't. Um, So getting that right, finally, and with Oracle down the road, all of that tees up to where it works, where there's enough critical mass and there's enough investment, development investment, to uh to make it happen. Um, and then there's the you know, probably some of the people in East Nashville, well, we don't like when our roads get closed. Well, you know, I you can plan around it if you pay attention and read. There are routes to avoid congestion. And yeah, if it's 15, 20 times a year, okay, out of 365 days, that's not horrible, and so that's what cities do, do you want to live in an active, vibrant, growing city, and I'm I'm just a huge believer, cities are either growing or dying, you don't sit still, and you can look around, and some are in recovery mode, but Detroit, Pittsburgh, Philly, you know, cities that lost it along the way and are having to rebuild. Getting it back takes a much longer time uh, than it did to get it in the first place or to lose it. So I I just believe a very variation of entertainment, uh marketing assets that showcase the city to keep people wanting to invest here. And yes, I would absolutely agree you got to manage the growth. We have not done a great job of managing our growth. That needs to be the conversation, not stop our growth, I miss the old Nashville. You know, my answer there, now you got me on a roll. Uh, Do you miss the strip clubs? Do you miss the boarded up buildings? Do you miss when Red Lobster and Pizza Hut were named best seafood and best pizza in town? I mean, what is it? Do you miss the Greyhound Station on 8th Avenue? Uh, do you miss the adult peep shows? No. The, the improvements outweigh the losses. And i be the first. I'm a regular, was a regular of the Hermitage Cafe. You know, we bought records for our office at Ernest Hub. But I can tell you, the people that are complaining, ask them how, what was the last time they went to any of the businesses that had to shut down or got closed or got bought. Uh, frequent those local icons that need the support. That's how you save them. And Exit In is a great example of making sure it got, got saved. You know, it's still in, will be part of a bigger development, but they have committed to keeping it because there was enough outcry and enough emphasis on the importance of iconic venues like that. But, you know, just crying, ah, you know, get involved. And spend
1: some money. LameStream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business hosted by one Mr. Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner. And it is, in fact, brought to you by... Jasper's. Always brought to you by Jasper's. The flatbreads are way better than fast food. I'm sure that's what they love hearing first thing in an ad uh, is... Come to Jasper's. Our flatbreads are better than fast food. <laughs> <laughs> Let's set the bar low. But, but the game room, I mean, literally, they, they continue to evolve because they are the next evolution of the sports bar. They continue to evolve the menu. They took a room that just had it, it just had darts in it and a big screen and like a, some Jenga, and they turned it into an absolutely glorious game room. I don't know where you're going to find a, a better game room because there's no game room that costs less than this one. It's free. Everything in there is free.
0: Is it? Is there a bet? is there just a better sort of you and your pals are hanging out pal because we're in the 1940s, uh, you and you, you and your (laughs) friends, you and your friends are hanging out and you've got a pop a shot machine. Is there a better, is there a better game? I mean, I love air. I love air hockey. I I love ski ball. I love, I
1: love ski ball, but you know what, Uh, as I'm, I'm, I'm higher off the ground now, uh, now that I'm a fully (laughs) formed adult, um, at least physically and, and i don't i it doesn't i ski ball was my jam dude it was my thing when i was a kid it was my favorite it's the only thing yeah. i played when we yeah. when we
0: put put the skee ball on risers i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm six, yeah. I, i'm six i'm six two with a with a right. with a kind of shaky back I, I, i'm not gonna <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to be leaning over that much
1: no so I, I get your point about um about the papa shot um and since this is the 1940s i would say that papa shot is the bee's knees uh, of all the games in the in the game room, because I'll just continue the 1940s theme on the show here. Um, I don't know. Air hockey's pretty fun. It's intense though, and that air hockey table was perfect. A lot of them are not. That one is at Jaspers. They've got all their stuff is perfect. I I, I could go darts. Like a real good high quality dart board which they have two of at Jaspers. Uh, Playing darts is 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 fun. I like darts, man.
0: I like darts. A lot of skill though. I mean, in order to have like a really good game, I mean. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Take takes a little skill. I think it's like golf. You need to play with somebody of equal quality. Yeah. To to have fun. Um, if I had to pick one though, of all the things they have at Jaspers, it would be shuffleboard. I I would still go shuffleboard over everything else. They've got a custom made beautiful, you know, the the wood and the sand and the whole thing. And it's uh, shuffleboard is my favorite. I love shuffleboard. Good times. Good times. Good times were had by all go to Jaspers. Good times will be had by you. um, Special thanks to Jasper's for sponsoring the show and they support us. So you should support them. Go to Jasper's. Go to Jasper's.
0: I want to ask you about the, you mentioned the NFL draft. What did you learn from the NFL draft? Uh, I mean, it was, it was a big success. Other cities have wanted to do something similar and, you know, just have they have started to uh, now that COVID has kind of they've gotten past they've gotten past that uh, in in the organizing pieces of it. Uh, what'd you learn from the draft, and would you do it again? And do you have PTSD whenever you see cherry trees?
2: <laughs> well, all great questions, and I won't dodge any of them. Um, first, working with the NFL, and I in my world, all of my peers I go, "Oh my god." You're going to work with the NFL, it's awful. They are so difficult there. I took the approach of they're the best in the world. They know what the hell they're doing. So I want to learn from them, I want to make friends with them. And if we do our part right, then we're going to elevate our event experience and reputation faster and better than anything we can do. So learning that you you can divide and conquer. It was their event. And you do what you do. Let us sprinkle Nashville's magic dust on it. Let's add music. Like we took all of the music booking from their their production partner. They normally do it in their other cities. We only want Nashville acts. We want diversity. We'll pay them. You know, we want to showcase that level of, of talent. And then we kind of learned a little bit with the British Air Flight, but leveraging our star power with Tim McGraw or Dirk Bentley or Lindsay L or Moon Taxi on the big stage and forcing music onto the draft stage. They, they had never put music, so we had music between all the picks, live music. We had to sell that. Fortunately for us, They got it and they were like, okay, we're in. And they did that. Now they wanna continue doing that. So it was learning the roles, respecting the client because they were our client and uh, just never forgetting it was their event. And we could only embellish and enhance it. Uh, And it, it worked for us. One of the things they said to me right about the time I kind of was like, oh damn, this is coming. And I said, why? Why us? And they literally said, you're the most prepared city we're talking to from an experience of events. And you're the only city that listened to everything that we asked. So if it was, we don't want to press on this trip. We don't want to read about it after the fact. We don't want gifts. We don't want whatever. We follow their instructions. And the surprise to me was not that we did, but that apparently nobody else was doing the same thing. So you learn how important those little nuances are. On the cherry trees, I will will stand on my statement that we followed all metro procedures. We did everything right to get approval. We could have communicated it a little bit better although i did an interview with channel two about three weeks before and said we're moving trees or something to that nobody said a word so yeah caught me off guard but we also waited too long and that was trying to get the city coordinated with us to respond to it so when it broke saturday morning we were ready and the city wasn't ready so we lost 24 hours It grew grew into this firestorm. Yeah, it's painful. My staff gave me a Titan jersey with the number 10 on the back and the name Cherry Trees. Uh, So I have a constant reminder in my closet. I feel bad. But Riverfront Park, Metro Parks, and the tree community came out way ahead on that.
0: And no trees
2: died. So it's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
0: (laughs) Well. Well, at least uh, at least one mayoral candidate was uh, got got a little benefit out of the cherry trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And the fact that, and I know some think that helped them win, and some think it helped them lose. If cherry trees were that issue, there's bigger problems. Than,
1: yeah, uh, I, I think uh, I think the phrase managing the growth is a little bit more important in my in my mind um, than the trees. But yeah. I do love we we love trees here at 440 Sports. Um, I love You you mentioned the timeline for the Titan stadium with information for people being August, September, right? How does, how have conversations about the stadium and the future of the stadium, the timeline of the stadium, how has that meshed with FIFA and their decision, which is coming next week to announce all of their, their locations? How how do you, what are you saying to FIFA about the timeline of the stadium that we, that you know is not happening until August or September?
2: Uh, Well, number one is, we've assured them that Nissan Stadium as it is today will still be there in as good a condition as possible. So the Titans are spending a few million this year on upgrades. Uh, they're going to more automated food service. They are, at least over the next year, enhancing, You know, going to 5G, Wi-Fi. Now, I think they're renovating or just did renovate the press box. So we've assured them that we will keep the stadium in first class condition or as good as what they saw. Uh, we've even committed some extra resources. And we've agreed that let's just decide that Nissan Stadium will be your home. If the other stadium gets approved and built, they can have the choice to move. But they have and we have all agreed that we're gonna focus on the current stadium. So without question, you're smart to ask. It has given them reason to pause. They have asked us a ton of questions. Uh, To the Titans credit, they have been transparent, forthcoming, accommodating, and cooperative. We have put in writing everything we promised to to FIFA to, to assure them that the campus can handle Uh, their hospitality outside the stadium, that the stadium will be in good condition. It won't embarrass anybody. We're not just going to let it, you know, we break ground next spring and we let the stadium deteriorate for the next three years. Not going to happen. So we have answered every question as honestly and candidly uh, as we can. We have reassured the mayor has written them and reassured them that we're committed to accommodating them. Uh, I know they like us, and I hope we have alleviated their concerns because they have choices. They don't have to take, you know, a question mark or an unknown. And I just hope that we showed them our ability, our footprint, all the other things. Our bid is about like that. So it is the hardest thing we have ever done, and it deals with sustainability and social responsibility and sex trafficking, as well as hospitality and transportation and hotels. So it's been the hardest thing we have ever done.
1: But <laughs> that's a finger, so, fingers crossed for those listening. Some some so, of the
0: some of the reporting uh, from from a couple of pretty good national report national soccer reporters has said that. FIFA has concerns over the timeline uh, with, a, with a new stadium. If it, if it looks like that we're going to have a new stadium and that, that it, it could it be done in time, they have those concerns. And then an out for Nashville would be to host the World Cup draw, uh, which is usually held about six months before the, before the event, world dignitaries come in, team, coaches and whoever else comes in. Is this an option for uh, that you guys have given to FIFA or have they asked for uh that as uh, as a way of keeping Nashville in if they don't give them a state a stadium yeah, dates I
2: can, I can very candidly and honestly say we haven't thought about that and they have not asked us about that if we were going to be left out we would certainly raise our hand and say yeah let's Let's do that. But right now, we're all in on we can do this. We can do it better than most. And my opinion, if they don't pick Nashville, they are missing an opportunity to elevate the entertainment aspect and bring that kind of attention to soccer in this part of the country. So I think we have two things going for us in that regard uh, that I hope stand out and I have been emailing them weekly for the last month with tidbits. There was a sports article last week. I sent it, off. Uh, uh, I did a, my own impassioned email to the tournament director last week and just, you know, I feel like I know him well enough. He doesn't answer. They are completely silent. They are the most tight lipped international
0: organization I think I've ever witnessed. Um, in, in the, I can't it, tell you if it's working, but I can tell you we're staying on it. in In the past, this would have been done in a sort of an Olympic setup in that you have a local, you know you have a national bid committee that controls a lot of the, a, a lot of these these questions, and then they're the ones dealing with FIFA. But because FIFA has had corruption charges leveled at them over the the over the Qatar bids and the Russia bids, they have a, they have FIFA has essentially absorbed the bid process themselves. It, do you think do you think that that puts nashville in an advantage or disadvantage because i mean nashville's had a great relationship with us soccer now for you know 15 20 years of hosting world cup qualifiers and hosting gold cups and, and and things like that i mean this this kind of it seems like you're kind of talking to a black box there in in fifa well the good news is
2: and maybe maybe the only good thing that came out of covid is they appointed two people in the US to kind of be their eyes and ears on the ground. One was the former head of US soccer, Dan Flynn and his right-hand person. About three months ago, they formally hired them to be on board through 2026. And what I can say, they have been the people that brought a lot of those games you referenced to Nashville. They love working with the Titans. They love working with us. They raved about the draft to FIFA on our behalf. I I often say in our very first presentation on Zoom, which now is a year and a half ago, when they were finished with their introduction with us, I literally said, I got nothing to add. I can only take it down from what he just said and uh, I'm done. So they were that complimentary of Nashville's ability. And now having said that, they also know to what you described, this decision is going to be made in uh, Switzerland at FIFA headquarters by a very small group of people. Um, so we're working and swimming as hard as we can. If, the,
0: if they came to you and said, okay, we're not going to give you the games in nashville we're not going to give you a, a group pod or however they're going to structure the tournament in 2026 uh but we would like you to host this this uh we would like you to host the draw is that something that you could do uh
2: yeah you know i'd probably take one more swing at are you sure we could do both so <laughs> and then also if i do that and something falls apart can we be your first alternate? I wouldn't let it go without another time at bat because uh, that's just my DNA. Uh, I hate no. Um, and so until it's really over, over. But yeah, we would want to continue our relationship. And you know the fact, it's, maybe it's lost on some people. It's not lost on me that when we bid with the U.S. and we, the U.S. lost to Qatar, We were one of the U.S. cities in the bid. We made the final cut. So U.S. soccer saw our potential back in 2012 or 13, whenever that decision was made. Uh, So I I feel like, I I hope that's helped. We weren't near the destination then that we are today. We didn't have near the experience then, and we made that cut. So we befriended US soccer. We have continued that. I hope we have befriended FIFA. And uh, I yearn for the opportunity to show them how right they would be if they picked this town.
1: What is the worst no you ever got? Like that just like hurts like still today?
2: Well, honestly, probably when FIFA picked Qatar and just knowing how hard the U.S. worked, how hard we had to work. Uh, And knowing the U.S. scored the only perfect score, a third party consultant evaluated all the bids. The U.S. had a perfect score. London didn't, or England didn't, Russia didn't, Qatar didn't, and that didn't matter. So the pain of that corruption and just illegitimacy stings today because we would have been there however many years we would have been hosting that game this month instead of moving World Cup to November and December. Uh, that probably hurts the most. Um, but I've had plenty of losses along the way.
1: <laughs> well, and we, we, we're having so many conversations right now around like the WNBA's potential here. Certainly there's a lot of random conversations about baseball coming to this, this market. Um, We talked to the SEC. I know you guys have tried for the SEC baseball tournament, which is going to stay in Hoover. We've got the grand Prix. Now there's a PGA tour event that's looming somewhere in the future, potentially for our, our city. You got the fairgrounds involved in racing. Like what, what you said, there's a list of people lined up, ready to come. What, what, what should people be thinking about when you look at the different, all these different things that could be coming to our city soon?
2: Well, you know, I think first is you want to get to a position where and not from an arrogant or cocky standpoint, but why shouldn't we be in the position to pick and choose? We don't need to do everything, but let's, the things that we want and that are interested in coming here, let's prioritize those. So I, you know, I think if the fairgrounds is a great example, if the state constitution or whatever it says you have to operate a speedway okay do we want to have a dump or do we want to have a world-class venue that we could do a short track cup race and then we could do some other things Um, and I know there's a neighborhood around there but there's always been a neighborhood around it and there's always been a track there so we can mitigate noise we can make it better and we can benefit more greatly so I would look at that when I look at women's sports I would love to see that happen but I still and I say the same thing about major league baseball until we have an owner that wants to own the team you know a lot of it is great hype and great conversation and great wishful thinking but the best example (laughs) is MLS we were in dead last place until John Ingram came along and said, I want to own this team. Yeah. And then we went from dead last to ahead of the pack and got a team before anybody else expected. So ownership matters. And then, you know, the corporate market, because you've got to have sponsors and sweet sales and ads. And we're not a huge market for that. So I, I kind of look at it like we need the assets but we need need to make sure we're building an asset that can deliver a return. And if we can host a, a women's soccer professional team and they can share that stadium, then that's a win, win, win all the way around. But you still have to have the owner. Just saying we want one, saying we want a baseball team. Those guys are doing great work. We don't have an owner. And without an owner, you don't have a stadium without a stadium, it's, it's a great conversation. And again, John Lohr and his group, they're doing great work. Uh, but when you're just a billionaire shy of, <laughs> it's not a small
0: club. <laughs> uh,
1: just a small, just a small, just one little step, you know, just one billionaire, just one billionaire.
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> LeBron
2: James, now that LeBron's a billionaire, maybe we can call him a, <laughs> see if he wants to do a WNBA team but yeah, obviously on the women's side, WNBA or women's soccer make the most sense um, yeah, yeah. but you the, know, the, the, do, and I. this is maybe the best answer for your question we can do whatever the hell we want to do as a city so now let's get together and decide instead of you know Grabbing at cherry trees, let's set our sights on. Um, we want this, and we want this, and so let's go make it happen. And that usually works better.
1: Butch, thank you so much for all the work you've done and for giving us a few much of your a few minutes of your time. We do appreciate it. um Get back in those uh, negotiating rooms and sending emails. We we do appreciate it. Thank you, sir.
2: Well, well, thank y'all. Uh,
1: appreciate the advocacy
2: and appreciate the. Uh, Good questions. So uh, I don't mind.
1: <laughs> not your, fir- not <laughs> your first. Not your first. Not your first. Call
2: radio. me back after G- June sixteenth. Give
1: me a call. <laughs> <laughs> be. Right. But thank you, Butch. Appreciate you. Bye. Right, y'all take care. That was Butch Speared on. Um, I, listen, I, <laughs> he's in a lot of rooms and a lot of meetings with a lot of important people. He is very good at answering questions <laughs> when, he, when he needs to. Uh, some interesting nuggets out of there. Of course, August and September is when we expect to get some information. Um, I, I don't know. What did you... you know, where do you want to go here? Do you want to go Titan Stadium? you want to go FIFA? I, I, I am... I don't think I would... He didn't come across as being extremely confident that FIFA was going to give us a, a bid next week, but he certainly is not giving up hope. There's no, like, they're still fighting and scrapping and clawing to the end here.
0: No, I, I, I think that's true. Uh, the so so the reporting that I mentioned, uh, the the Grant Wall report that that we're gonna get, we're not gonna get the we're not gonna get games. We're gonna get the draw. Um, I, I, I think is I mean there there's, there's like two other reporters in the country who are as plugged into sort of U.S. soccer as Grant and and he has you know, he's talked to all of, he's talked to kind of all the, the parties involved here. Uh, I, I mean, I think that, I, I think that report is, is pretty correct. I mean, he's, he's been doing, a I mean, good recommendation. If you're, if you follow soccer and I think I've recommended it before, go, go subscribe to his newsletter. This is his paid newsletter. Uh, and he's done like a series of, of, of reports where he has kind of circled back and kind of taking the temperature of the bid cities and kind of like who's rising, who's falling and he's kind of narrowed down to kind of the core group. And and then, you know, he basically says Nashville is on the outside looking in here. But that but the 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 kind of the the prize we would get since the stadium, since FIFA was concerned about the stadium would be to get the draw, um, which yeah. would be you know, you know kind of a fun party and everything. But it's not the game. It's,
1: it's not going to do much for, for the average I, fan. I mean, it's I, better. It's better for business than it is for fans.
0: I mean, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, Butch says that that they have not talked to Nashville specifically about that. Um, I don't, I, I need to go back and listen to his answer to, if he meant to him or to the big committee, he and he and Colin Reed are the co-chairs of Colin is the CEO of Ryman hospitality. Uh, they're the, the, they're the co-chairs of the bid committee. And they've, you know, they've been very active in, in, you know, trying to, in trying to secure this Collins, a, you know, Colin <laughs> just went on a went on a trip with his grandson to England to uh, go see Manchester United and and see some other games. And you know, they, they are they are I mean, he is a he is a capital F football, capital S soccer fan. Okay, um, and so they're I know they're doing all they can to try to bring it in. Uh, it'll did- be. In- I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated at where it is because I think we're on the outside. By the way, there's other cities that you would think would be locks that are not, I mean, yeah. apparently Boston is not going to get games. So, so I, I actually
1: talked to Butch about this, like in 2019 on the air and he, he said like they were already in the process of the Titan stadium negotiations at that time, because of FIFA and the World Cup in 2026, like they had a drop, d- drop dead date of 2026 to make sure that it was finished. And it feels like had they had all of this just taken place a couple of years earlier, right, that that if the stadium was coming online in 2024 and we sort of had a uh, construction had already begun and, and it got we sort of were down the road a little further. We got the approval done, you know, two years ago instead of this year. It feels like we would have absolutely gotten a a bid, um, and we well, and, and, and and we would have gotten a bid, and we were scheduled to get a bid if it had been this year instead of Cutter.
0: And and that's a difference in a change in administration. There were there were talks with the Briley administration about this. There was even a report out at, at the time. Uh, I'd have to go back and talk to Nate about this, but uh, Nate Rao uh, over at Axios now. But um, that the the Briley administration was was ready to pull the trigger on some sort of deal with the Titans, or at least, you know, kind of, kind of put the framework together for it. Uh, And then it, you know, it's funny
1: happened. I had Mayor Bryley on on the show around that same time. And I, I asked him about the stadium and he said, the Titans are not interested in building a new stadium. They are interested in a renovation. And that was like at the time, five or 600 million. Well, Right, <laughs> inflation, <laughs> right, and 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 the pandemic and everything else has changed a lot of the calculations. And I do think, you know, you and I will have a lot of more time to to discuss once the actual proposal comes out in August and September about the actual details of it, whether it's right or wrong. He did say that affordable ho- quote affordable housing is a big part of the conversation. I need to see that in writing. Um, I hope that he's that that's right, and I hope that that's true. Um, but there is a lot of there's a lot of people out there that do not see the economic value of a football, of a, a brand new football stadium if we have to foot the bill for a lot of it, which they are trying obviously to avoid. So, a um, lot, lot of moving parts there, a lot of things to consider, and a lot more information coming out here in the next couple of months. So, always good talking to Butch. All right. Uh, recommendations, real quickly. I'm just going to say go buy an Athlon Sports College Football Preview Magazine. <laughs> it's about time to go to the beach, take the kids, take the family. You need to read about college football. We've got a massive, massive college football magazine with every single SEC cover. If you want an SEC team, AthlonSports.com. Go to your newsstand. I've worked for them since two thousand and seven. When I say, when we say, pay for good journalism at the Athletic, I, I consider that the same thing. Um, if you want to keep good journalism journalism alive in college football, and you want good magazines every year, go buy a magazine. Um, you have agency and power to help help out. So uh, go buy a magazine. We would really, really appreciate it. That is my recommendation, Steve. Short and sweet.
0: Uh, I got two recommendations here for you. Um, completely different sort of recommendations. Um, one is uh, by the time, uh, by the time this podcast is out, uh, the banner is going to uh, publish a piece uh, by Dimitri Kalodimos on uh, African American acts uh, and Lower Broadway, uh, and specifically, kind of you know. Who gets to who gets to play the main floor uh, at Laura Broad bars, and and what what kinds of music, what kinds of acts? It, it's it's a really uh, it's a really insightful piece. Uh, she talks to a lot of uh, she talks to a lot of performers, uh, and it, it, there's 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 some nuance to it. But it also, I mean, the sort of takeaway from it, and and I believe this is actually said in the piece, is that you know the rooftops are the back of the new back of the bus, the, Ooh. the, the, the rooftops, uh, you know, get fewer people. If you're a, if you're a musician, you there's less economic opportunity up there through, through tips, because most of these folks are not playing for yeah. guarantees. They're playing for, they're, they're playing for tips and uh, kind of the experience of several different artists who have, who have had a chance to play main stage and done really well. And then, not given you know not given kind of subsequent opportunities uh, it, are, are, you, are you suggesting that there's a
1: lot of white men with beards on the first floor as who as who, as two white men with beards on this show well
0: <laughs> and, and but the interesting thing is is i think there's a perceptual question here which is what do we think people want versus what do people want and oh, at yeah. one yeah. at one point in the piece uh somebody says you know you know the women on the so if you look at the women on the buses with with their cowboy hats and their bachelorette shirts and whatever else uh, on, on these on these party buses they're all bumping to nelly and yeah it's it's fifty cent and kanye and, and and Dimitri actually talks to people on the street about you know what do you want and 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 the answers are the answers are really illuminating and it gets to the question of you know is nashville music city or is is nashville just country music. And, and it's, mm. it's a really, it's a really great piece. Well, uh, so we're, we're really, she's worked really hard on it. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of it. Uh, I look forward to this being. So go,
1: go check that out and not to, to boil your entire piece down to like two sentences, but Nashville as a city is an extraordinary music city with a very healthy and vibrant rock and roll scene, hip hop scene, blues scene, you know, there's very healthy Bluegrass, they're, they're all different types of music in in this city. So I believe that we are Music City. Uh, I would not include Lower Broadway in that category.
0: <laughs> um, so. But I mean, that's where I mean that, that's where a, a substantial I mean a substantial number of people are going, yep, yep. and and, the, and the, that's where the economic opportunity is yep. for uh, for artists uh, who, who don't have record contracts. All right, what uh, else you got? Um, so the other thing is, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I think that. Americans are, are are trying to put to wrap their head around uh, how they think public uh, response to uh, rising crime should be, uh, and so so for instance, in uh, California primaries this week, uh, the district attorney in uh, in San Francisco got recalled uh, off of a perception of uh, you know off of a perception of rising crime. You the know, mayor, did, what, the no, mayor kind of, Jackson- kind of <laughs> what does that pretend is is a national trend? You know, is everybody going to go tough on crime? Well, uh, I want. Isn't in, uh, in, in, in the, in the isn't midterms crime, here? Isn't yeah. crime way up in red states? I mean, uh, well, so. and and so so what I want to recommend there's a there's a Huffington Post piece um, about Amy wyrick who is the who's the Republican District Attorney in Memphis, uh, and mm. she's facing a she's facing a a, a pretty a pretty strong challenge. Uh, and, and sh- you know, the, the headline on it is uh, uh, a Tennessee prosecutor's tough on crime approach ex- uh, um, uh, excludes police. Amy, Amy Warrick touts being tough on crime, uh, but not when it comes to the police. And, and how, you know, she, it ha- she has been this very strong prosecutor and but has not really held Memphis police to account. And the, the other piece of that, too, is. Memphis is experiencing the same sort of uh, same sort of kind of crime trends that the the entire country is right now. Yeah. And that, you know. Electing and we just went through this in in May with the with the election of district attorney. The district attorney can't necessarily turn the boat on on crime and that and that's whether or not they have very progressive policies or very conservative policies uh, you're you're still seeing sort of similar outcomes and so th- the question is is what kind of person do you want sort of yeah. in that office and it's a, it's a really thoughtful there, piece.
1: There, there's a huge misconception because of course the the megaphone has painted it as such that this is just a big liberal city problem and, and it's not right. it is a it crosses party lines. It's red and blue. It's both state and it is Jacksonville. Jacksonville's crime rates are off the charts, which is a a red state with a red mayor and a red. I I will say DA. when you, if you want to dive into DAs and their roles though, they can't stop. They can't do anything about crime per se, but they have a lot of, there's a lot of really cool strategies out there about, you know, cash bonds and like the the very petty, small stuff, like, you know, marijuana possession. And like, there's, there's things that, that DAs have a lot of power in when it comes to affecting people's lives on the ground. They cannot stop the overall trend of, of what's going on out there. but yeah, they, can, I do, mean, they I mean, can do a lot for like an individual on the ground going through a tough situation.
0: Crime is party agnostic. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, yes. I mean it, it, it really is. And anybody who on the left or the right that tries to tell you otherwise you should view suspiciously? Yep. Um, yep. You, sh- you should you know, th- what do you want from a district attorney? Uh, you should, you should, you how about know.
1: not, how about not put people in prison when they can't afford a hundred dollar bail? <laughs> Cause that costs, that costs me a lot more money as a taxpayer than, and that person probably loses a job out of the deal. So yep. <laughs> Just there, there's a lot, it's fascinating. Like the DA is, a, is a fascinating role in, in the metropolitan, uh, work sort of how it all works when it comes to li- literally saving people's jobs and money. They, they have a lot more they can do than people think. So go check it out. What's the give me the story name again? Uh,
0: a, a Tennessee prosecutor's tough on crime approach uh, excludes police, uh, and it's in the it's Got in the Huffington Post. But it's a there you go. It's a really good piece, and I, I think that Wyrick race uh, is going to be one of the most watched races uh, in the in these August primary. I mean, well, it, it's a general election for those offices. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of outside money. Uh, on both sides in the state, and I think state Republicans are really going to be focused on this race because having the having the district attorney in Shelby County, where they don't really have much else yeah. in terms of a political presence, is uh, is is really valuable. So. Well,
1: and you know what? Following California's lead, recalling people every other year, just we don't have to do that. <laughs> Nobody else has to copy California. <laughs> they're all moving. <laughs> they're all moving here anyway. <laughs> like, right. It's fine. Uh, all right. So special thanks to Butch Beard on. Um and uh, appreciate all of his time on all the insight in the, the Titan stadium as well. Check out those uh, recommendations, the national banner, Athlon sports as well. Make sure you do all of that. Go to Jasper's of course, cause the parking is free. The food is fantastic. The game room is splendid. Uh, they've got all kinds of free stuff in there that you can use. They got a grab and go market. It's great. It's great for every single type of occasion. You want to go with the wife for a dinner, uh, the spouse for a dinner. You want to take the kids. You want to go just pop in for, with, you know, for an after-work cocktail with your buddies uh, all of it is great. They do a great job at sort of ha- a one-stop shop for all of those different types of things. Uh, so go check out Jaspers Four top hospitality, all those great folks, Nashvillebanner.com, banner.com full 40 sports YouTube page. I think that's everything,
0: Steve. Anything else you'd like to promote? (laughs) Uh, No, just uh, go to NashvilleBanner.com and give us your email. Sign up for the email list. We'll put stories directly in your inbox.
1: There you go. It's awesome. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at S. Cavendish. You can follow me at Braden Gold. Thanks for hanging out. We'll talk to you guys again next week. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.